So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. What's up, everybody on Facebook? Welcome back to This Week in Housing. It's December 3rd. Can you believe it's December 2020? I don't know about all of you, but if you're watching and you're in the US, uh, there was a lot of fascinating, beautiful conversation around gratitude just a few weeks back for Thanksgiving. And it was interesting to watch, you know, a 19-year-old, a 21-year-old, my kids, my 93-year-old mother-in-law, one of my closest friends on the planet who's a great agent team leader from Melbourne, Florida. We were all talking about resiliency. We were talking about perseverance. We were all acknowledging the hardship we've all gone through and the extraordinary triumph so many of us have achieved. And, and it really got me thinking as I was you know, preparing for today's show, and we've got an unbelievable show for everybody today. We have two really important topics. We're obviously gonna talk about home prices, which we know if, you just, if you're paying attention and you're reading any newspaper, everything is going like this. But I think the real hot topic we're gonna to discuss is the projections for 2021. You're gonna be the first to hear from the team at KCM, what are the projections for 2021 so you can start framing your mindset, your marketing, your attitude, your business, your prospecting, your communications to make sure that you're on point in 2021. And just a heads up, a little teaser, in two weeks, we're gonna do a show where we actually say, here's everything we said was going to happen in March and April, and May and June, July, and Dave and I are gonna go back and forth and say, were we right or were we wrong? So make sure you mark that in your calendar for two weeks from today. So the, the note that I wrote down is, if knowledge equals confidence, if knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear, right? Stopping us from taking action, then today's show, if you just pay attention, I just wrote down, housing data is the superpower. If, if knowledge equals confidence, housing data and understanding where the industry is going and what's going to happen with home prices and what buyers and sellers are going to be thinking about and what you need to know, that's what we're covering today and that's a superpower. So to help us do it, I'm looking at my all-star panel. Of course, I've got uh, to my right, I don't know how you guys are seeing it, David Manzer, longtime friend, 30 years in the mortgage industry, uh, ran a region for Wells Fargo and today finds himself coaching 50 of the top like best people in our company. Um, I see Becky Garcia from Phoenix, Arizona, running a killer brokerage and team, about 400 transactions this year. She loves being on video, right, Becky? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> but as, as I was sitting with her coach last night, we both said the same thing. She is brilliant, so we want her perspective. Same thing with Lisa Chinati, right? Lisa's from the Boston area. We'll do 664 transactions this year. Four years in with this team is an absolute rocket ship. If you saw the podcast that we did together, it's been blowing up, so a lot of people are enjoying that. And of course, David Childers from Keeping Current Matters. So ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right into How's the market, David? Talk to us, and then these three rock stars are going to give us their perspective. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Tom, you mentioned it's December, you know, uh, and gosh, I think we're all ready to get this year behind us and start next year. And, 
you know, as, as we look at this and, and you mentioned what we're going to do next week, there is a way to know what's happening and look at what experts are saying and, and formulate insights that way. I mean, I, I was watching your um, Instagram live earlier and, and the insight that we can use, the data that we can use to be the knowledge broker is what we're talking about. And, you know, there's probably not a, you know, hotter topic, I would argue, uh, right now. And certainly the folks that, that I'm talking to and that we hear from uh, Keeping Current Matters on the topic of price, you know, uh, and the, and, you know, the way prices are going up. So what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of, of uh, you, you know, insight, a little bit of data and, and uh, information around prices. And I know, you know, Lisa, Becky, David, you guys are going to have great insight on that from a coach's perspective and, uh, and you know, what, what that means right now. But let me give you a couple of things here that our research team has, uh, has come up with, do such a great, great job of finding these insights. Uh, this first uh, uh, quote is from Craig Lozara, uh, talking about uh, the Case Shiller uh, report that just came out. He says, housing prices were notably and I am tempted to say very strong in September. I think we know that. The National Composite Index gained 7% relative to its level a year ago. Our three-month readings since June of this year have all shown accelerated growth in home prices, and September's results are quite strong. So seeing home price appreciation, uh, you know, very strong right now, and, and we're going to talk about why that is. And a lot of people, you know, asking the question, you know, is uh, are homes appreciating too fast right now? You know, is this market too hot? Uh, and, you know, reminiscent of fears of, uh, you know, the, the last time we were here. And so, you know, if we start to take a look at, at that question, and, and we go back in time, we can see Looking back, that annual house price appreciation, we go all the way back to 1991, it's about 3.8%. And if we look at just a shorter term window back to 2012, just over 6% um, yearly price appreciation. Now, why, why is this important? When we start to look at that question, 7%, we can see, gosh, that's considerably higher than we, we go back, uh, you know, back to the early 90s. But when we look more recently, not quite as high, but still even over that. Uh, and to give you a little perspective there, what our team went back and did is, is looked at uh, going all the way back to 2000, if we take that annual historic appreciation rate of 3.8%, this is how that plays out on, on the you know, average home price, going back to you know, take a $140,000 home, uh, advance it 20 years, and that's, you know, uh, almost 280,000 if you take that, that compounding appreciation. And so what we did at that point is we then went back and overlaid actual appreciation each year. And, and it looks like this. You can see we had this run up in the early 2000s before uh, the housing crash and, and then going through a time of depreciation, which we all remember in our business. And and there you see it from 2012, like we talked about, you know, coming out of uh, the housing crisis of, uh, you, you know, 2008. And where we stand today in, in actual appreciation is slightly ahead of where we would be if we applied that historic model. Why is that important? Because Hold on, David. Hold on. Yep. Hold on. I got to ask. So, so, Becky, I'm going to go to you first and Lisa. How often are you guys hearing today from your sales agents, from buyers you guys are working with, that they're getting concerned that they're being outpriced 
in the market that you know home price appreciation is going too high. Are you guys hearing people saying we're going to wait until the market softens? Like, give us some insight. Like, Becky, what are you hearing in the the Phoenix marketplace? Well, when it comes from the agents, their concern is whether or not it's going to, you know, at what point is it going to, you know, start decreasing. Uh, locally here in Phoenix, we just don't see any sign of a slowdown anytime soon. We list something, it's getting multiple offers. They're paying above list price. They're paying above, above appraisal you know, price. There's no more, okay, well, let's pay a higher price. And, you know, where before a consumer would say, okay, let's, let's go ahead and pay. And then we'll renegotiate during the appraisal. There's no more in re renegotiating during the appraisal because buyers are agreeing to pay above the appraised value in some situations now. So uh, builders are slowing down their production because they can't keep up. So um, we're just not seeing that much concern like the, okay, I'll wait till the market softens because they're just, I mean, there's just no end in sight here locally for the consumers to really have that as a consideration right now. We're not seeing that. The agents are questioning, but not their clients. Their clients are willing to do what it takes to get a house right now. Interesting. Lisa, same question. What are, what are you hearing from both your agents and customers? I think we're a lot like Becky. It, it definitely comes up every so often, but you know, compared to the volume that we're doing, it's not a, an undercurrent of everything that's going on. And I think the biggest thing is that the need for housing is huge. It's not like it's a, a, second, market, a second purchase, right? We're looking at consumers who actually need to make a purchase to have stable housing going forward. And I think that that's what's gonna kind of keep it continuing even throughout. We're looking at January, where, where we put deals under and when they close, our January is already on the books for double what we did in January of 2019. And wow. January and hit February are historically our lowest months. So yes. seeing that already, as we just hit what we're putting under contract for January closings that were double what we did last year, I don't think the consumers are very worried about it. And for context, uh, Lisa Chinati, what's your average sales price? It's about $375,000. We are a meat and potatoes purchase. It's not luxury. It's not, you know, like I just said, it's not second home. These are, it fills the need. Yeah. Becky, how about yourself in, uh, in Greater Phoenix Metro? Yeah, ours is two eight. Our average, our team's average sales price is two eighty five. Um, the other point to that too is also the interest rates are so low right now that even if you know they're waiting for their you know if there was a concern about the market softening, their concern is will the interest they're more concerned about the interest rate going up than you know cashing it on the low interest rate now than whether or not the you know waiting for the market to soften. So David Manzer, with 30 years in the industry and, and you know a lot of those decades on the mortgage side, managing, running a region, you know, being an originator and everything else, now you're coaching 50 of the most successful clients we have. You know, are these ladies right? I mean, are these are these concerns more in the agents' minds or is it more in the customers' minds? And if so, what are you saying to the agents to get them out of the way and helping people? Yeah, so my focus right now is just trying to help them be the better them in the moment right now and understanding that, and David can attest to this, like the banks, even if, because what I'm hearing is, well, there's going to be foreclosures, there's going to be this and that, I'm going to wait. The banks aren't going to cut these properties loose for less than market value. So those days of the deals for the foreclosures is over. So it is definitely in the agent's mind. So it's scripting, it's the assumptive assertive language to help their clients understand the benefits of buying now like becky said affordability has never been better you know so yeah so just trying to help them be better them it's and we're seeing that the, the clients the, the the customers are actually 
moving forward and willing to write those offers above uh, asking price, put in the escalation clause in case they get outbid. So it's a really unique time right now, but it's, they're still winning. So they're still winning. So, yeah. So, so before I turn it over to David Childers, I'll, I'll share with everybody. I've been making the statement for the last 45 days that the 2021 spring selling market started in October of 2020. That just like we heard from Lisa Chinati, everyone I'm talking to in the Minnesota, Chicago, the Midwest, the colder regions are all saying the same thing. My January is bunkers, mm. right? And that's because they're doing the right work. So I want to acknowledge everybody here for doing the right stuff. So, so David Childers, take us back into the slides because I'm looking at that next slide about inventory and home prices 2010 to today. Yeah. I think this is one of those slides that people need to take a snapshot of right. and post and maybe do a video about and start sharing their insight to, like, to see the disparity between what's going on. Yeah, I think this coming out of that last picture where we showed the appreciation, we show where we're at now, the question is, okay, what, what's the logical reason why we're there across the country? And I think, you know, Lisa and Becky, you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of where, where we're at. And this image really tells a story. And Tom, it's a great point of a place to, to grab it right now. As always, you can go get all these slides. Uh, and, and I know it'll be posted in the comments there. But you know, as supply has gone down, price has continually gone up. You know, it's an economics issue right now. And uh, in the lack of supply, the lack of uh, available uh, homes on the market has driven the price up. And, and, and when you look at this going back to 2010, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, uh, and, uh, and tells a story of what's happening across the country relative to price and inventory. So now, David, I, know, uh, I know we've got a slide from Lawrence Yoon coming up and, and I appreciate his quote, but there is so many people. I, mean, I read this morning on Inman, you know, five ways to start getting your REO accounts. Right. <laughs> right. And now, of course, we know that's sensationalizing. We know that's headlines that are trying to create fear, trying to get people to click so they get another eyeball on their website. And I'm not, I'm not knocking in, uh, Inman or any of the media outlets, sure. but you know, I look at even what Lawrence Yuna is saying, show, show the next slide, give it the quote, and let's, let's talk about it. Like, if we're talking, it's similar to 2006, everyone knows what happened in 2007, 8, 9. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think right now, I want to say one thing before I show that quote. Um, you know, Tom, you talked about what we're going to do in two weeks. Talk about what we said and what actually happened. This is an area right now where I believe we can lead and we can go out and talk about this because you're starting to see news stories come out going, Maybe this foreclosure deal is not going to happen. Maybe this is not going to be a, a big deal. And I think we can be the, the, the leader right now in this message. He says this, such a frenzy of activity reminiscent of 2006 raises questions of a bubble and the potential for a painful crash. The answer, there is no comparison. Back in 2006, dubious adjustable rate Mortgages taxed many buyers' budgets. Some loans didn't even require income documentation. And today, buyers are taking out 30-year fixed rate mortgages, whereas 14 years ago, there were 3.8 million homes listed for sale, and home builders were putting up 2 million new units annually. Right now, inventory is about 1.5 million homes across the country and home builders are underproducing relative to historical averages. So as we see these numbers and people go, hey, this, is, this feels like before, we have to go back to the, 
to the truth and the data and the information and say, okay, things are dramatically different today than they were back then. David Manzer, insights on this. Hundred percent. Well, I'm just flashing back to that time period, and you know, without mentioning any company names, you know, we know what happened back then, and we know that it was limited documentation required. These poor people were getting houses. There was no reason for them to be, you know, getting these loans approved. That was the bubble. I don't believe it was the prices of the homes that created the bubble. I think it was the way the mortgage industry was qualifying borrowers that created that that dis disaster. Uh, the one thing I will I wanted to share real quickly is too is for the agents, um, the appraisals are not coming in low. The appraisals are not coming in low. They're coming in at market value. So you want to make sure that yeah. you understand that up front because I've had that comment quite a few times. Like, no, the appraisals are coming in. My wife's an appraiser. She's and she has no issues with reviews. Values are are dialed in. So just want to reassure everybody, it's coming in at market. The competitive nature of this environment is what's creating, you know, the the uh, financing issues possibly. So that was I just want to throw that in there because that's that's important mindset that we're coming at a market value. Yeah, Becky and Lisa, whoever wants to go first, how are you helping your agents frame the conversation with buyers so they understand how to win in this environment? Go ahead, Lisa. <laughs> We're talking a lot about, um, you know, understanding that, again, we're a meat and potatoes purchase, right? And understanding kind of what David just said, the differences between what created the problems back in 2006 aren't necessarily there right now. And that with interest rates being so low, we're focusing on the affordability more than the pricing, right? And if the payment is affordable, my favorite line to use with buyers and to have our team use is, at what price would you not be regretful if somebody else was willing to pay that price, right? Or the reverse, if you saw that somebody paid X, when would you have said to me, I would have paid X because then we need to be at X, right? Yeah. And it, it's putting the control back into the, into the consumer's hand and finding their, their comfort level with everything. I would agree and Becky, I want your insight on this. So much of this today is about the monthly payment. Right, and recognizing the buying power, as David, we've been talking about for months as we've now had, what, 14 times this year? Today was the most recent. Yeah. Is that, so is today 15 now? No, no, no. Last week, the last rate was 13. Today was 14. We dropped 10 uh, basis points in the average 30-year fixed. Yeah. So, Becky, you're in Phoenix. There, there's no question. Anybody that was paying attention, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, there's not many markets that got hammered the way your market got hammered. So what are you saying to your clients to make sure that they're positioning themselves the right way, your agents making sure they're doing it? And, and, and how are you squashing any fears around this? Yeah. So one of the first questions I like to ask when it's, let's say, a first time buyer is what do they know about the buying process? So that way I can kind of have an idea of where we're starting from. Um, so I like to get an idea or if they don't like, oh, I'm a first time buyer, I don't really know, or they'll kind of fill in the gaps, let me know. But they're, they know quite a bit. They, <laughs> today's buyers really know, yeah. they do a lot of research before they even get sometimes to talking to us, um, which we haven't, we didn't see, you know, 10 years ago, you know, when uh, some of this was going on. So uh, yeah, so 
I always like to ask them, what do you know about, you know, the buying process? And, um, and sometimes they'll say, oh, well, my sister bought a house. When she bought a house, she was able to negotiate and able to get, you know, a really good deal on a home. And that's what I'm looking for. So I just have to set the expectation up front. And it's very easy to do because you can pull data, all of our MLS, we can pull data and say, okay, let's go ahead and look in that area that you're looking at. Let's pull the data of all the closed sales over, let's say the past 30 days or so, 30, 60 days, whatever works for you and pull it. We can show them, this is the list price and this is the actual sold price. And the sold price is going to be higher than that list price so that they can see in black and white. I'm not just telling them something that I'm pulling out of air. We have the data that we can show them to show, okay, you have to, you're going to be paying at least the list price, if not more. And here's why just kind of explaining to them the multiple offers and what's going on and some of the different terms that, you know, our clients are doing in order to get their offer accepted. And as long as you can, they can trust you and you know let's say it comes a referral they're all automatically going to trust you but um reviews or however it is they come to us as long as we build that trust and we can show them the data behind what we're saying then it just makes it a lot easier if you don't have that conversation up front then they're going to not only get aggravated with the process they're going to get irritated with the process and they're not going to trust you because you didn't give them the information that they needed to know in order to get their offer accepted yeah, I think that's such for, you know, for both of you ladies, such important distinctions for all of us as you're thinking about, you know, maybe how you're retooling your buyer consultations, right? As you're retooling your buyer consultations to really frame it the right way for your customers to set the right expectations. So great insights, ladies. Um, so I know the the real sort of, dare I say, buzzworthy, not thinking, you know, imminent in the media and all that kind of stuff, but David, you and I have been chatting about this. Like, do we share the 2021 projections now or do we wait for two weeks? And I said, let's give it to them. Let's get people as prepared as possible for what's to come. So I know we've got a lot of data to cover, a lot of quotes to cover. So for all my friends out there watching, by the way, if you haven't tagged a friend or two who needs to up their market knowledge or maybe increase their confidence about the business, now would be a really good time to maybe tag your broker manager, your best friend, an agent buddy of yours, so they get access to this information. So David, I'm gonna turn it over to you and let's talk 2021 projections. Yeah, yeah. The research team at KCM has been working hard on what are experts saying about next year? And I'm going to offer a couple of things we want to look for. And I think a lot of us as consumers and as, you know, folks looking to the future, we're looking for certainty. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There's a cost for certainty. And, you know, right now uh, in, the, in the market, there's some advantage um, you know, to, to uncertainty from a buying perspective, cost is going to go up next year and we're going to see, you know, affordability, uh, you know, being eaten into. Um, and, and I think the other, other word I would say is normalcy. We're looking for some normalcy in the market and, and, you know, in life in general. So I, I pulled a few things uh, to start this off from experts and, and let's start here for, with Jed Colco, chief economist at Indeed, understands our business, but he says this, above all, the 2021 outlook hinges on the course of the coronavirus. Both the recent virus surge and the election make government emergency relief more likely, talking about stimulus there, and next year will also start to show whether two of the big, uh, big pandemic shifts will endure. The one from services to goods and from in-office to remote work. Even small shifts in these trends, if permanent, could cause big changes in how businesses hire, how job seekers search, and where people live and how much they earn. 
what he's saying there is there are questions still to be answered, even as recently as yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, they were talking, you know, hey, by mid-year, the, you know, the vaccine could be out and, the, you know, the majority of the population could be vaccinated. And I think there's, you know, different people saying when that's going to happen. You know, Tom, I had the pleasure a few weeks ago being on a, a webinar with Boomtown, with Greer Allen, the CEO of Boomtown, and he was talking about the employment issue. And, you know, what I think we, we came into this thinking, you know, either people are going to still work in the office or they're going to work from home. There's likely some hybrid, you know, models in the middle there. But, 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 but what's the important thing right now? Is there a lot of people that don't know? And my point is, as uh, you know, we roll into next year and things become more clear, we start to get more good news. We start to get more certainty and people do know it's likely to cause people to make different decisions, right? If I know that I don't have to be maybe in my office every day, I may move further out. And we're certainly seeing people do that. And so uncertainty right now is something that may be holding people back. Now, I think our job also is to create that certainty. So as we start to look at mortgage rates, we talked about that on, uh, hold, earlier. Hold, yeah. hold on, hold on. I want to get I want to get our expert's opinion here. I, I'm going to go ahead and make a statement. I just told two of the top teams in the country, both happen to reside in California, that they should plan on no one is going back to work in any traditional sense throughout all of 2021. That's my projection. If you live on the East Coast or the West Coast or some spots in the middle, and it's not a, not a political statement, just there's sure. just no chance that there, so what's gonna happen is exactly in my opinion, what happened in 2020, people are gonna say, knowing what I know now, what type of home do I need and where do I want to live? Yeah. Right. And I think it's going to be warm states. I think it's continuing to be water. I think it's continuing to be mountains. It's going to be proximity. I think all of this is shifting and I don't see any sign of it coming back until maybe 2022 if the vaccine is in place. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. And I know Becky's lining right up to be the first to take the vaccine. I'm kidding, Becky. <laughs> so, Becky, what do you think as I say that? I mean, look look at the Phoenix marketplace. I mean, does anybody is anybody living in Phoenix actually from Arizona? Right now, we have so I am. <laughs> I'm there. I'm one of the rare ones that you'll find. But um, we are getting a lot of people that are relocating here from like Seattle, California, New York, New Jersey. They're what they're doing is they are cashing out on their homes and their equity that they have there because their employers have told them you can now work from home permanently in some situations. So they're saying, okay, I can have a better, lower cost of living, a better quality of life and sell this house for a million dollars and buy something very similar for 400,000 in Phoenix, Arizona. So um, that's what we see a lot of the relocation going on um, here is 
you know, that's what they're doing. They're just taking, and not only that, but also people that are local where we got away from some of the larger homes and the McMansions that they were calling them. And now we're seeing a trend going back to some of that because they want the home office. They want the home gym. They want, you know, the swimming pool. They want, you know, the bigger yards. So they have, you know, their outdoor activities. Like we're getting a lot of um, those larger purchase homes that we weren't seeing for a long time. Yeah. So I want to know in the comments out there, everybody watching, what is your prediction around 2021? Do you think it's going to be everybody's just going to go back to, to work and we're going to be inside the office? Or do you think, again, that maybe what I'm saying might just play out all the way through into 2022? I want to know your comments. Lisa, what do you think as we say all this? I mean, you know, you're you're closer to the Boston metro, even though you're you're outside of the city, but you do business in and outside of the city. You know, there's a lot of people talking everyone's leaving New York, everyone's leaving California, everyone's leaving the New Englands. And my response is, if that was the case, then why is there no inventory? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. I was reading some data, um, not in MLS, but actually from moving companies. And some of the data that the moving companies were putting out is that the number of moves that they are doing are up. The really interesting part from my perspective is that the percentage of moves that were still happening within Boston proper zip codes was actually the same. So the number of moves was up, but the percentage, the ratio of moves still happening within those urban markets yep. were, was dead on. So there is some migration west, but there's still people who value the city. In terms of the workspace, I think you're right on one hand, but I think we're going to find kind of where I am that there's gonna be some generational aspects to it. And I think that there are some generations that are missing that workplace culture and that sense of normalcy. Yep. And so my, my gut says we end up over here in a very hybrid model where some are working fully home, companies are gonna downsize their office space and maybe go into a you know shared situation where it's maybe two days a weekend, one day a weekend, yeah. what have you. Um, but in terms of also in buying, I think one of the, the big things that I don't think we talk about enough is that there are some amazing deals to be had for people who are willing to buy investment properties in those urban markets where people are leaving. We know it's gonna come back, right? So if you're willing yeah. to buy, there's some zip codes in Boston where we're at 2016 prices. You buy at a 2016 price, hold it for a year or two. What does that asset do in 2023? 100%. 100%. David Manzer, talk to hey, us. Uh, just real quick, uh, you know, with what Becky and Lisa are both talking about, it ties into the business plan for 2021, agent-to-agent -agent referrals, my friends. So agent-to-agent -agent referrals should definitely be a part of your business plan for 2021. What a great, two great agents right here. Uh, hopefully they don't, their emails don't blow up, but it's just, you know, it's super, super critical that we share this data all across the Tom Ferry network. So just Want to throw my two cents. Lisa has closed a uh, listed a home for one of my referrals and did an excellent job. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hey, you know, so for all of you know, right? So was it uh, 2019 or 2018 when we surveyed our clients? The number four listing attraction strategy amongst our clients was agent to agent referrals, right? Number four. So obviously, this network understands the power of that. So David, take us back to mortgage rates. I know that's where we were bouncing. And then I, I'm looking at the yeah. next one from, uh, from Danielle Hale. And I'm, I, think we're, I think some people are going to be shocked here. Yeah. 
So let's look at this real quick. Uh, this is a great um, you know, visual picture of mortgage rates and, and where they're projected to, to go forward based on uh, what Freddie Mac is saying. Now, you know, if we look forward, the, the punchline there is mortgage rates staying around 3% on average through the, you know, the end of next year is, is the forecast. Now, you know, whether we go, you know, two seven, two eight, two nine, three, three, one, whatever, the bigger picture is let's look back to, you know, 17, 18, 19, and where we are today. The ability to go out and, and secure in financing at a low rate is going to be around next year. You know, we always say, whatever you buy, you know, today, whatever you buy next year, in 10 years, you'll be bragging about. Uh, and I think we're going to have that, that, that opportunity relative to what's being forecasted uh, in interest rates going into next year. So something, uh, something key to remember. David, do you, actually, I'm going to go to the ladies. Do you think it's too brash to put out on social or in some form of marketing, uh, whatever you buy today, you'll brag about your interest rate for the next 20 years? Um, no, I think you could do that. <laughs> sure. I have clients that do that all the time. They'll say, oh, well, I have a, you know, not me, not so much anymore, but before, yeah. oh, you can't, I can't get the interest rate that I got before. So yeah, we would have, we have clients that do that themselves. Yeah. Lisa, what do you think? I mean, should agents, should your agents be talking about, I mean, the, these are his, we just had today the 14th historic low interest rate this year. Yeah, and I think all of our agents should be sharing it, right? It, the, I don't know that the consumers are as educated as the agents. So the more that we can put out and the knowledge broker on so many different levels, right? And it's not necessarily bragging. Yeah, it's education. David, uh, David Childers, remind me, it's 42.1% of all homes in the US have no mortgage. Correct. And then of the balance, so let's say 138 million. So let's say just kind of math in my head, 77 million homes have a mortgage. But the stat that I heard, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that like 60% of them have an interest rate with a four on it. Did I hear that correct? 50 right now. If you look in the in the mortgage world, what they're saying is that's about it's about 50-50. Can you so Manzer, can you believe that? Half the homes with a mortgage have an interest rate with a four on it? I know. They're, they're under a rock. They just they're not they're not reading the news, they're not talking to their friends, they're just they're in the rock. But one thing I would tell you too, as um, agents, you want to make sure that you're super tough on your lenders right now. Your lender partners may be a little bit MIA because of all the refinance action. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're working with a lender partner that steps up and focuses on purchases and has a plan for you, unless they're doing a cash out refi so they can buy more property. Uh, but I just want to bring that awareness to you. Just yeah. That's where they are. If they're MIA, they're working on refis instead of your purchase transactions. So be real selective on, on who you partner with. There's a lot of great originators out there. Yep, I agree. So let's let's get back to projections for 2021, David. That next slide, I think, is going to be one that people are going to want to screenshot and share like crazy and probably shoot a video about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Daniel Hale from Realtor.com, Chief Economist, she says this, we expect home sales in 2021 to come in 7% above 2020, above this year. We sold more homes. We're going to sell more homes this year than last year and 7% more next year. And again, keywords in here, following a more normal seasonal trend and building momentum throughout the spring and sustaining the pace into the second half of the year. Um, now, she goes on to say, while home sales are expected to lose some momentum over the last months of 2020, 
The shallower the normal seasonal slowdown creates a higher base of activity leading into 2021 that is roughly maintained for the first half of the year. Again, as vaccines for the coronavirus become broadly available to the public and economic growth reflects a resumption of more normal patterns of consumer spending, home sales gain even more in the second half of the year. So 7% growth, you know, you know, a lot of growth coming into next year, a lot of reasons for that, but, but more normal trends as we start to, to move into next year and even you know, to your point, Tom, even, even into 2022. So I think for everybody out there, the important distinction is if you have a, in your business plan, a goal to do 10% more business in 2021 than you did in 2020, you're really talking about a 3% increase, right? The market is going to improve by 7%. And all my clients out there know, and all my coaches know, if we just make our phone calls, if we just market, if we just get to follow up at zero every single day, we should blow past that. I was talking to one of my clients just, a, just yesterday and Lisa you know her, right? So Karen Peters and her team are up 63% year over year, 63% year over year. Now, was that by mistake or was that because of the market or was it because those gals and those guys are working their butts off right now? So, so Becky, when you hear this, you know, 7% more sales, like, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, our goal is to always do more every year. <laughs> so last year, I think we were at um, right or just over three, around 325 as far as what we closed. And I just pulled our numbers just to make sure I had it accurate. And we're already closed 366 and have 90 under contract. So, I mean, I think, you know, doing even more than that. And that's with everything that's been going on with, with right. 2020. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think that if anything, I, you know, I, I have no problem with that. I hope it's even higher than that for us. Yes. Lisa, what about you? I mean, you're, you're saying you've, you've got a pretty ambitious goal for next year. Yep. Yeah. I'm confident. Like I said, I think the early indicators looking at what we're heading into Q1 with, which is historically our, our lightest quarter, I think if we can look at the trends that are already starting to develop 45, 60 days out, I think it gives us a lot of hope that it's going to be a really strong year if we continue to do the things, right? If we keep our eye on exactly what you said, the marketing and the, the big one, uh, I think we all need to be realistic. What's going to drive our business is the listing volume, right? right? And if we can put a massive emphasis on finding those sellers and helping them navigate the process, yeah. that's, that's where we're going to win as an industry. Yeah, 100%. So, so Manzer, I'm going to skip and go back to David Childress because I want to look at the home price forecast because this is, again, maybe these last three slides for out there, everybody out there watching, you know, maybe this is a slideshow that you put up on Instagram and you finish it with a video on your projections and then asking everyone in your, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever else, asking them what they think is going to happen. This is a great way to start a conversation and get what's on the minds of your prospects and your past clients and sphere. So, uh, David, let's talk about a home price forecast. We know we're going to do 7% more sales. That's bonkers. What's going to happen with prices? Yeah, I want, I want to go back to something Lisa just said, because it's a, it's a key point. Uh, it's going to depend on listings. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. We've got what you know experts are saying about home prices. And, and the question is, where are listings going to come from? And I think there are several areas that the data leads us to that, that you know are, are, are ripe for listings right now. But let me share this 
uh, home price forecast uh, slide here. So we're an interesting time of the year where we get two types of forecast right now. We get a 12 month rolling forecast made you know, throughout the, the fourth quarter here, and then we get 2021 forecast. And so we wanna bring both of those together and say, okay, what are we seeing right here? I wanna kind of remove some of the outliers and in, in the middle of these forecasts as we see you know, I'm going to call it uh, two, two upper twos, three or four percent in uh, in forecast for appreciation going into next year. Now that you know, we get seven percent sales growth. We look at this uh, appreciation in forecast. What main a lot of these forecasts are dependent upon is more inventory coming back to market. Right. And I think from a you know things we've talked about, folks that are able to make a decision, like you said, Tom, on you know this is where we can now live. That's that's going to prompt uh, people that need to list a home and, and bring inventory to market. Uh, you know, you know, looking out there and people that we know very much in the data, there are people this year that did not list their home out of you know fears or or out of we don't know where we would go so those people say okay now we can we feel safer in that and then we know also that there will be people that will be affected by um you know forbearance and the economic fallout from this that will cause listings uh in the market now we don't wish that upon anyone but that's a fact of our business and you know, happens every quarter. We've talked extensively about this over the last several weeks. And, you know, you know, even, uh, you know, as we look at that and there are questions about that, I'll wrap with this quote here, Lawrence Yoon saying, any foreclosure increase will be quickly absorbed by the market. It will not lead to any price declines. And so I think there are areas right now that we can say, okay, this is where listings from, from what we know, what the data is showing us are likely to come from. There's a job we have to do to go out there and be the knowledge broker and say, this is what we see coming into the market. And uh, you know, as we look at appreciation, we look at more home sales next year, it's gonna be dependent upon listings coming, uh, you know, the supply coming back into the market. So Manzer, what do you think? Like what's the, and I'm actually, I want David to answer this and then Becky and Lisa, if you were sitting down with a couple of great agents right now and you said to them, look, here's what you have to do to unlock the inventory in your market. Here's the sources I'd be thinking about. Here's the marketing I'd be thinking about. So we're going a little tactical here. And David, I'm going to leave with you first as a coach. So what advice do you have for people to really get in and make sure they're finding the right number of listings in 2021? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, obviously database, database, database. So the people that you know, trust you, love you, like you, want you to succeed, call them, connect with them, leverage them. So try to get introductions into other people's databases, right? So a lot of professional networking going on. So I'm encouraging my clients to do a short video intro. There's a lot of questions right now regarding real estate because it's such a crazy time. Contact Becky, she's amazing. And here's her contact information, right? You can do that for insurance. You can do that for chiropractors. You can do it for everybody. Just sort of like a networking with your database. Um, the other thing, obviously, is agent-to-agent uh, -agent referrals. Perfect game plan. Um, you know, connect with the agents within this uh, ecosystem. Brilliant, successful. It works. It's proven. So agent-to-agent -agent referrals. Uh, then the last thing, and Tom, you know me, is like what David just said is sounds like another campaign. What about a campaign that just says, choose your place to live? If you could move anywhere, where would you move to? I mean, rates are the yeah. best. What a great campaign that would be. Boom, boom, done. So that, that's my short answer. Love it. Lisa, what about yourself? If you were 
putting you in the role of coach, not just, you know, top broker and an amazing agent, what's the best advice to unlock the inventory? How do we get more listings? So the project I'm working on right now is partnerships with local in the low in our local market to come up with short-term housing solutions so that those who are the, where the objection is, I don't want to be homeless. We can solve the problem of making sure that they have a place to go short term with no real strings attached so that when they do find the home that they want to move into. And there's many options available, not just in short term housing, but in companies who are offering services to those sellers, but really getting that dialed in so that we can take away what we're hearing as our biggest objection, which is I don't want to be homeless. Yeah. And, yep, and I can't help but say my friends, and I'm an investor in this company, I'm a huge fan. Look at companies like Easy Knock that will say, sell the home, and then we'll give you the cash and the time and the terms to go find your next property so you're not in that situation. Because you're right, Lisa, we've got to be looking for ways to solve the breakage, right? The fear and worry that people have about, hey, I know I can put my home on the market. I'm going to get 11 offers. I'm going to sell for a really crazy price. Right. But then I'm in the situation that buyers are in. So you're right. looking to solve that. Becky, what right, about yourself? Yeah. How do we get more listeners? Yeah, I think everything that David and Lisa mentioned for sure is what we're hitting on. Like our this year we hit on our agent-to-agent -agent referrals and of course being in touch with our database. Um, one of the things with our database that we're doing is having the conversations that maybe they don't want to bring up. Like, did they do the forbearance? And you know, now they're in a situation where maybe they don't want to necessarily have that conversation with us, or they think they're going to be able to work it out. Uh, and then they're finding out. So, you know, we're bringing up some of those topics with our database that maybe they're not sure how or what their answers are so um and the thing is like some of the slides showed the difference i see now versus then you know back in 2007 2008 when i would call wells fargo and say um i need to talk to your short sale department they're like what is a short sale department? I don't know what you're talking about. So that's how far back we go. So um, they didn't have equity then. Now they have equity. And I mean, that's really the difference is they just don't even know what their options are. They think that they're going to be able to, you know, refinance or the, you know, missed payments are going to be tacked on to the end of their, you know, loan. And it's not always that simple for them. So we're making sure to talk to them about the for you know did they do a forbearance and do they know anybody that has questions about that we can help answer them um we are getting lists from title companies as far as people who are getting those notices now so we're targeting them and just kind of educating them we're not saying oh how, you know hire me to list your house it's just we have a whole q a you know uh q a type of um uh, postcard mailing that's going out to them so that we're targeting them and just giving them information um, that they might need. And then like Lisa said, probably the biggest objection we have is from those people are where are we going to go? That's their biggest concern is where they're going to go. So just giving them answers to all of those questions before they ask the questions is really what our um, uh, you know, uh, information has been. You know what I love about what everybody said here is at the end of the day, it's about, it's about being of service. Right. I mean, Becky, you're going back and running the same play we were running in the short sale environment. The difference is today they've got so much equity where, you know, we were being empathetic to their situation, not abrupt with the situation, but just trying to to be a resource. Right. To be open, to see if they would be vulnerable to have that conversation. So I love hearing that. I would tell everybody right now, uh, I answered probably 15 questions yesterday on Instagram. Uh, you know, my little Q&As, and, and one of them was basically like, okay, expired's my farm or my database, where should I focus? And my answer was like, it's the holidays, right? You probably should focus on your database. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? 
The thing I would say that I don't think enough people are paying attention to is your geographic farms, right? The long-term agents that I work with, the people that have been doing this for a long time, they are killing it with their geographic farms right now. And it's not the expansion of the new farm, it's the existing farm where they've been nurturing and being influential and helping, right? So we're telling you to double down on your efforts with your farm. So that's a big one. The other one is take a look at the data inside a, a solution like Remind as an example inside of your MLS, because there are some queries you can do to really discover who are the people that are most likely to sell in your marketplace. If I was Lisa and I was in you know, the New Englands, I'd be saying, how many people are 80 years and older, but they're living in two-story homes, right? Those people are most likely going to sell in the next, whether it's year or two or five, et cetera. I'd be really paying attention to the data mining, not just for 2021, but also for the future of my business, 2022. And one other just interesting tip. I had a coaching session with my client, Tim Smith, a few days ago, and we were talking about uh, he and Greg, his manager, he went on about 276 listing appointments this year. And when you guys all hear that number, I'm sure you're just like, oh my goodness, right? But he only listed about 80. And people go, oh, is that a horrible conversion? And Tim would say, of course not. My job is to get in front of as many people as I can that are in the research phase of selling. They're in the conversation of selling, right? Whether it's today or two years from now, he wants to be neat and neat, face-to-face, belly-to-belly, with a mask, with gloves, however it needs to be. Because what he now knows is he's got two years of inventory coming from appointments he went on in 2020. So ask yourself, how many more appointments could you go on with people that are thinking about doing something, but they're uncertain? I say go on more of those appointments and guarantee your listings in the future. So David, why don't we wrap it up? You got one last slide about winter. Winter is coming. Winter is here, ladies and gentlemen. It's 35 in Dallas. Talk to us, David Childers. That is for sure. You know, this quote comes from Warren Chun, and, and we'll kind of wrap on this. He says, this winter may be one of the best winters for sales activity on a winter to winter comparison. This could be one of the best breakout years just based on the fact that pending contracts are at such a higher level. Uh, Lisa and Becky, you both talked about that, about pendings right now. And I think it's, uh, it's proving out to be you know, that we go through this winter and it's a, it's a great, great market heading into uh, 2021 and what we can expect there. I agree. So let's, let's wrap with just one last piece of advice from our expert panel. And, and really it's just, what's, what's one thing you would tell every agent to do to make sure they get the most out of 2021? So anything goes. And I always say whoever wants to go first, but we should David Manzer, be polite and say ladies first. So Always. Lisa, I'm coming to you first. What's what's one piece of advice from someone that's going to do 664 transactions this year, you and your team? What do agents need to do to win in 2021? I think it's keep focused, right? I think it's so easy to fall into the distractions coming into the holidays and fall into the distraction of the coronavirus resurges. And I think one of the things we're working on the most with the team is keeping everybody engaged and focused and still finding time to balance out. Yeah. 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 I, I concur. I say to people, you got to decide you're going to live in a this or that. I can either have a good holiday, but I can't have a good business or you can live in this and that. How do I have a great holiday and continue to make my phone calls and stay focused? So I love it. Becky Garcia, last piece of advice. 
Yes, yeah, like Lisa said, definitely stay focused. And I'm big on knowing your inventory and studying the market. I know every builder, every floor plan, every, I can look at something and know whether or not it's priced right or not because I study those hot sheets every single day. So the first thing I would say is one of the first, other than of course, keeping in touch with your database and making sure you do that, um, really studying uh, the market and looking at those hot sheets every day the MLS gives them. Um, I look at them through Boomtown, but um, everybody study, know your inventory. That's always going to give you an edge over um, agents that don't. Yeah, and Becky, I would reiterate by saying to everybody out there watching, that means you're not just scanning the new hot listings that are coming up, but you're going into the MLS and really doing research, right, Becky? Because everybody says, I look at it every day, Tom, and I'm like, not because you got a buyer and you're waiting for you know a hot listing, going deep and looking at it. Yeah, Give us, so, that, Becky, yeah. so that way when the client says, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, you know exactly where you know you know you, the house already pops up. You already know what it's going, whether it's priced right, what the layout is, and everything else. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yep, love it. Manzer, bring us home. What's the what's the most important advice for agents that want to win in twenty twenty one? So a couple of things. I would just say work, right? <laughs> work. Don't believe your own press. Sometimes this market can create an inflated, you know, hey, sense of self. So, you know, don't believe your own press. Like what a perfect, perfect time to get ready for 2022, like you mentioned, Tom, and beyond. So set up your system, set up your routines, lead generation routines. Uh, and I would yeah. say, man, I heard about three virtual workshops from today's call that could be created. That would be a benefit to your, uh, all your clients. So I would take the data, David, this is amazing. Take the data, create a workshop and, and be done. But win with virtual workshops right now. I agree. So David Childers, closing thoughts before we wrap it up? You know, what David Manzer just said, virtual workshops. Tom, do you remember back towards the end of the summer, we were talking about getting on a Zoom with everybody that you know that is thinking about selling or has thought about selling and didn't do it, thinking about buying and, and hasn't done it. I think there's opportunity right now as we look into next year, people that have said, I haven't done what I wanted to do this year. And how, whether it's a Zoom, whether it's on social media, whatever it is, getting in front of those people right now and saying, let me educate you on what's happening in the market so that you can make the best decision for you and your family. I agree 100%. We, I know we have a lot of clients. If you remember, we were discussing that in Pivot and people were going, oh my God, I'm doing these events. There's like 27 people show up or 39 buyers show up and I sold like six houses afterwards. And they're like, welcome to Zoom, right? Welcome to the new world. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for contributing today. For all my friends out there watching, uh, if you if you got some value out of this, share this with some agents that need to see it, maybe even a consumer if it's appropriate. Most importantly, uh, remember in two weeks, we're gonna talk about were David and I right or wrong about all those sort of things we were saying in April, May, June, July. So mark inside your calendar, absolutely, you know, uh, join us for that last show of the year of 2020. So as we wrap it up, Lisa and Becky and David Manser, thank you so much. David Childers, as always, to you and the team at, at KCM. We love and appreciate you guys. Listen, my friends, you know what you should do right now? Make some phone calls. Get on the phone and educate some people because that's how you're going to win. Every hour you put into it today guarantees that you're going to have deals and closings in February and March. So if you miss those hours between now and the end of the year, you're pretty much saying to yourself, I'm okay being broke in February or March. 
That's the way the business works, my friends. So let's get after it. Love you guys. See you in two weeks. Thanks so much to my panel. See you guys soon. Take care. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.